Coming up on today's podcast, Thomas Partey's latest injury setback, Arsenal's latest commercial partnership, and Mikel Arteta's comments regarding the young guns. We'll get into all of that on this live episode of the Chronicles of Aguna. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Happy Saturday. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope you're not too nervous ahead of tomorrow's big game. Um, I was discussing this with someone earlier on today. They asked me, how are you feeling? How are you feeling ahead of such a big one? And my response was excited, nervous and anxious all at the same time, because we all know that the game tomorrow against Liverpool at Emirates Stadium has the potential to really kickstart our season in terms of us maybe moving from being at a good level to the level that we kind of thought we would be able to maintain after the way we performed for the majority of last season. And we know that if we lose the fixture, we could end up quite away from uh, the leading pack and we could end up in a top four race rather than a title race. So there's lots and lots at stake. A draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world, but when you're at home and you're behind as we are, you, you probably do need to take all three points if you're going to stand a good chance of closing that deficit on the league leaders. As I say, hope everyone's well. Hope everybody's good. Um, I wasn't planning initially to record an episode of the podcast today, but there was a, a few bits of news that kind of came to light yesterday after we'd recorded um, the uh, Liverpool preview that I wanted to touch on, that I wanted to address, that I thought were worthy of putting together an extra episode four. And uh, on this episode, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to dive into those stories. We're going to talk, as I say, Thomas Partey and his latest injury setback. We're going to discuss Arsenal's latest commercial partnership with Sober Realty. And we're going to talk Mikel Arteta's comments regarding some of the youth players. And I think with the Partey thing, we're, we're probably at a bit of a, a bit of a crossroads with him where we kind of have to make a decision. Um, we're also going to talk about the commercial partnership because I think there's a whole load of hypocrisy uh, with regards to the way that's been reacted to by some people. Uh, and the thing about the youngsters, I feel like I've been saying something similar for quite a while. So I want to dive into that a little bit as well. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, please do leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well. That really, really does help. If you're listening to us on audio, review, review, review. We need reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you listen from either one of those two platforms, the reviews are really, really helpful and we could really, really do with them. So please uh, take five seconds out of your day uh, to do that. Keep your comments coming. I'm going to come back to some of those in a little bit, but I want to start off with the news regarding Thomas Partey. Is it time to just give up on Thomas Partey? Is it time to start planning without Thomas Partey? Did we make a mistake going into this season planning for Thomas Partey? to be a big part of our team. We'll get into that right after this. Welcome back along to the show. Okay, so 
what exactly has been said? Well, Mikel Arteta came out yesterday and said that Thomas Partey has suffered a setback um, in, in terms of his recovery from injury. It took place a few days ago. Some people have said, well, typical Arsenal, isn't it? Don't announce it until um, <laughs> until the transfer windows closed. But look, the reality is that Mikel Arteta wasn't due to face the media uh, between obviously when this setback occurred and when the press conference was scheduled. Like He's not just going to hold a separate press conference because um, Thomas Partey's picked up a problem. Also, I'm sure he'd have wanted to keep Liverpool guessing for as long as possible because I don't know about you guys. I'm not saying that I ever thought that Thomas Partey would be ready to start in this game. But there was a tiny part of me that believed that we could see Thomas Partey at least named in the squad. Now, obviously, we know that's not going to happen now. Mikel Arteta confirmed that. When it comes to the injury setback, you know, he says it's something to do with the thigh. Um, I think something along the lines of the injury that he's dealing with um, and has been dealing with for a little while. Let me just uh, go back and confirm that bit. Hold on. Here we go. So, um, uh, Thomas, unfortunately, had a little setback a few days ago, so he's not going to be available in the squad. Whether that's a matter of a few days or weeks, we'll see. But he had a little thing. Um, he was asked about the setback. He said, look, I'm not a doctor, but I'll try to explain. He felt something in a very similar area and he wasn't able to train the last few days. So, look, I, I don't want to be that guy that's like super overreactionary that sits there and goes, get rid of him now. Um, throw him on the scrap heap. Forget it. He's never going to play for Arsenal again. Um, this is a problem for us. Why are we relying on this guy? Thomas Partey last season played 33 of Arsenal's 38 Premier League games. That is a lot for someone who is often labelled as never being fit, um, not reliant, uh, reliable enough, I beg your pardon. All of that stuff has been fair and valid in the past when it comes to Thomas Partey. And since he came to Arsenal, he's missed a hell of a lot of Premier League games. But last season was one of the few seasons in which he was able to stay fit for the majority. So can you forgive Arsenal and Arteta for maybe thinking that he was over that period? Because if you go back to prior to him joining Arsenal, there weren't injuries frequently. This isn't a player that suffered with this throughout his career. This is a player that's had these problems since coming to the Premier League, since joining up with Arsenal. But last season, as I say, was a much better season in that regard. Obviously, you know, this campaign, he's missed the majority of it. And if he's going to miss another few weeks, and, and to be clear, we don't know that that's the case at this moment in time. Arsenal, not sure um, how long he's going to be out for. We hope it stays. If it stays and he's back next week or the week after, then great. You know, that that won't be anywhere near as bad as maybe what we're all kind of imagining now. But if he's out for weeks, then it's a serious, serious problem for us because we, in losing Granit Xhaka and bringing in Declan Rice and bringing in Kai Havertz, we changed the balance of our midfield. We went down another route. And the only reason I think that Mikel Arteta would have looked at it and gone, OK, I can let Xhaka go and bring in a more defensive slash deeper midfield player. Um, you know, let me rephrase that because I, I, I've gone the wrong way on that. Basically, the reason Mikel Arteta would have looked at it and gone, I can let Granite Xhaka go, who brings me balance, and then I can bring in one deep player, but also one more attack-minded player, Kai Havertz, was because I think he probably expected Thomas Partey to be fit. All of a sudden, then you've got a few options at six. You know, you can go Rice, you can go Partey, you can go Jorginho, and then at eight, you can go Rice, you can go Havertz, you can go Vieira, you can go Smith-Rowe, 
um, you know, you've got options there as well. And obviously, Thomas Partey being out has meant that our only real solid option that you would trust in every single game at the number six position is, is Declan Rice. But then that takes away from one of your options in the eight position. Now, if you remember, when we were talking about Arsenal a few weeks back and we were going through that awful run, I did a podcast that I got massively criticised for, by the way, in which I talked about how Mikel Arteta banking on versatility has actually left us short of bodies. And that is proving to be true in this case. Because you can look at Declan Rice and you can go, well, he can play six, he can play eight. So his versatility means we've got cover in two positions. But then you lose Thomas Partey and that ability for Declan Rice to cover in the eight position, it, it kind of disappears because there's a lot of games that you're not going to want to play Jorginho in. And you're going to end up in a situation where where, yeah, there's versatile players, but you don't actually have enough bodies to make up for and cover for a lot of the injury problems that you're going to experience over the course of the season. Whatever happens now, if Thomas Partey gets back fit in the next couple of weeks and comes in and has a storming end to the season, you know, that will be great, obviously. But whatever happens now, my mind is made up. We need to move on from Thomas Partey. We need to move past Thomas Partey. Now, I think what's happened over the last few years with him and injuries has probably driven Arsenal to that point anyway. But I've, I'm sure they'll look at it and think, well, if we're going to replace him, we need to replace him with the right player. Because whatever you say about him, whatever your thoughts are on, on Thomas Partey, there is no doubt that he is a top, top talent. And that's why I've put in the headline, a wasted talent. This is like we're getting to the territory of kind of Abu Dhabi now, where we've got a top, top midfielder that you want to build around, that you want to have at the epicenter of everything that you do. But if he can't stay fit, then you can't rely on him. If he can't stay fit, then it means nothing, his talent, because the talent is superseded by his unavailability, which is just an ongoing issue for us. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to get to that point with Thomas Partey. I'm at the breaking point now of like, you know, we've been waiting for ages for him to come back. You know, there were rumours, there were murmurs, whispers. And to be fair, these didn't come out of the club. But there were suggestions that he'd be back in the build up to Christmas. That didn't happen. We've gone all the way through January. People are looking at it and quite optimistic that he's going to come back in February. And now, although we don't know the full extent of this setback, as it's been called, there's a chance that he misses all of February as well. And then you'll have this really important player, really good player. And all of that is great, but he'll only have been available then for what? Two weeks at the start of the season, two, three weeks at the start of the season. I think he's made five appearances for Arsenal this, this season, one of them being in the community shield. And then you only have him for what? March, April, May. Now, yeah, that's the business end of the season and all the rest of it, but it's not good enough, is it? It's just not good enough. And it's it's a real shame because, as I say, for me, he's our most talented midfielder. I would say that Thomas Partey, at his absolute peak, in his absolute pomp, has more to his game than Declan Rice does. I'll go as far as saying that. I think that Rice gets across the ground quicker. I think that Rice, um, you know, is 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 probably stronger. Um, has that greater stamina. I'll give Rice all of those things, of course. And, and Declan Rice, in his own right, is a fantastic player. But he can't progress a ball like Thomas Partey. He can't pick out passes like Thomas Partey. 
Thomas Partey has that something extra. And that's what made Arsenal go and trigger his release clause and get him out of Atletico Madrid right at the last minute the way that they did. That's what's led to Arsenal wanting to rely on him and, and wanting to build around him. But unfortunately, his body has let him down. And in turn, that has let us down. And if you want to be right at the peak of your powers and right at the top of the table, you cannot afford to rely on these types of players. Rodri is a wonderful midfield player, but if he was injured every other week, do you think that Pep Guardiola would have persisted with him? No, he wouldn't have done. He'd have recognised that we need to move on and that we need to get someone whose availability is going to be of more use to us. So, look, we're not going to get much money in for Thomas Partey come the summer because of the injury problems, because of his age, because of the contract situation, etc., etc. But it is, um, it is coming to that point now where we're going to have to seriously look at who brings us a similar skill set and we're going to go and have to invest heavy in that position to bring in the new Thomas Partey if you like. Look, we could all be panicking. We could all be overblowing this and he could be back in, in a week. And if he is, that'll be great. Because as I say, we're a far better team with him and we really, really do need him. I put a video out the other day saying we've been waiting all season for this, for God's sake. I was ready. I was ready for the return of Thomas Partey. It looks like he's been delayed further. Okay, uh, let's take some of your comments on this uh, subject. Um, AHWR says, Partey has been a failure, to be honest. He's the most injury-prone player we've had since Abu Dhabi. If you're to assess Thomas Partey's impact against what we paid for him, and then you put the availability stuff into the equation as well, then I don't disagree with people that say that it's a failure. But I also think we've seen enough of Thomas Partey to understand why the club, A, went and spent what they spent on him, and B, why even through injury problems, they wanted to persist with him because he brings so much to the team. Tom says, good morning, Harry and chat. We really need to cut our losses on Partey this summer. We don't need a great player for 10 games in a season. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, some of you bringing up Mikel Arteta's wife swap comments. Those were a bit um, a bit strange, weren't they? Do you know what? I don't think he realised what it was going to come across like when he said it. Um, they're swapping wives. I think what he meant to say was, you know, they're all living together. They're all like one big family or whatever, like to say it's a wife swap everybody knows what that kind of <laughs> what that kind of insinuates and it, it did make me laugh um yesterday i have to say uh what else have we got uh ron stone says i think we simply have to accept that we're not going to be able to rely on Partey because his injury record is worsening every season i don't think it's worsening every season like the season before last it was better Sorry, it was worse, then it was good, and then it's gone worse again. So it's kind of like up and down, and that's the really frustrating thing about it. Jason says, what are they doing at these training sessions? Look, what I will say is this, okay? I understand why people would be like, what are the club doing? Like, what is going on in these training sessions? That is resulting in, A, such a high volume of injuries, and B, these constant setbacks. It is very, very natural for a player to suffer some kind of muscular problem when returning after a long time out. Because once you start adding workload to the muscles and you start upping the intensity, it, it happens. It happens a lot. It's not uncommon. Lots of times when you, you know, have players coming back from ACLs, for example, they will pull a hamstring on their way back because they're putting extra weight and extra workload on the hamstring to compensate for the fact that the knee is still being 
built up, for example, or your groins or whatever. So setbacks do happen. Like this is not the first story we've heard of a muscular setback and it won't be the last, I promise you. Um, this can happen to anyone. But obviously when you've been waiting so long for someone to come back and then you hear not only has he suffered the setback, but it could be weeks. That's where the panic kicks in. If Mikel sat there and said, look, he's on his way back after a long injury. He's felt a little tweak with the muscle. Um, and uh, and as a result of that, he's not going to be available on Sunday. But obviously, he's still on the right path. These things happen when you're coming back from a long-term injury. You go, okay, well, maybe it's going to be one or two, um, two games, whatever, and he might be back. When Mikel Arteta says, I don't know if it's going to be days or weeks, that's when you have to start pressing the panic button, I think. Um, Morgambo says, I think they knew he wasn't going to play anytime soon, but didn't want to leak the info because they didn't want added pressure to buy a player in Jan. Him saying that after the window is shut says it all. They were never going to buy a player in January regardless because everybody with any sense knows that they can't, that the financial situation currently because of the PSR stuff means that Arsenal are not in a position to make any significant investment. Now, that's not an issue, as we've discussed before, exclusive to Arsenal. It's a league-wide problem at the moment. You've seen it across the board. So it might have increased the pressure in terms of people who don't have a clue what they're talking about moaning online and on on X and all the rest of it. But for anyone who, who's got any sense, it wouldn't have made the slightest bit of difference because if you can't have something, what's the point in clamouring over it, right? Mario says, morning, Harry. Hope you're top draw, mate. With the Partey thing, we must look to replace him in the summer and let him go. I rate him so much, but he's too injury prone now. And what's with the ads? With the ads? What ads? Is there adverts? Are you talking about um, on the podcast version? So I had a message the other day uh, from someone who was listening to the podcast version. Now, I don't I don't really listen back to the podcast version. I sometimes put the YouTube um, video on in the background just to make sure it all came through clear and stuff when I'm doing other things. But I had a message the other day from someone saying that there was a rather inappropriate advert at the start of one of our podcasts when they were listening on Spotify. Now, to be clear, the way advertising works on a podcast, right? So whoever your provider is, whoever your hosting platform is, they will sell their inventory and they will sell advertising slots and companies then come in and they buy those slots up and they put those adverts through. There was one advertising breast milk. Yeah. On this podcast. And uh, I'm sure that it's a really important product. And I'm sure that for some, um, it appeals some of our female listeners who, uh, you know, uh, maybe are, are looking to do some research on what the best kind of milk formulas are this one apparently is very close to breast milk and all the rest of it but it just doesn't fit with this podcast does it uh, i did send an email yesterday to say guys uh, do you mind removing that ad and maybe putting a different one on um but yeah you'd have thought as as hacker says that advertising would reflect what you're into um it should generally um, and normally it does like i get a lot of messages from companies that are you know we remember we used to do manscaped quite a lot because we've got a uh, largely male audience now we do have a female listenership as well but largely it's a male audience and we do as a result get approached by companies and, and businesses uh that are more relevant to our demographic but this one i don't know how this one uh, slipped through the net but anyway okay let's move on from the thomas Partey stuff let's quickly talk about arsenal's new partnership uh with a dubai based luxury real estate developer what's that all about <laughs> 
So Arsenal have signed a multi-million pound deal with the Dubai-based luxury real estate developer Sober Realty. And the London Colney Training Centre will now be known as the Sober Realty Training Centre. This annoyed a lot of people yesterday. Um, I saw lots of people tweeting and and writing comments about how Arsenal had sold their souls and all the rest of it. And I think there's a whole load of hypocrisy in this, in the response to this. The club have to do whatever they can do to maximise their revenue streams. Why? Because PSR is a real thing. And if you're sitting there moaning, complaining, getting upset, frustrated by the fact that Arsenal um, haven't made enough revenue in comparison to their loss, uh, which has led to losses, which means that they can't then do business in the window. How can you then be sitting there and complaining about the fact that Arsenal have done a deal which will increase their revenue? It's a no-brainer. I'm still going to call it London Colney. You're still going to call it London Colney. Sober Realty have their name on the building. So what? Like, who cares? It's the way football's gone. Football's been like this for years. The Camp Nou is going to be called the Spotify Camp Nou, for God's sake. And the reason I say there's a bit of hypocrisy in the responses to all of this is that you've all been turning up to Emirates Stadium for how many years? Come on. Like, it didn't matter then because Emirates were, were fronting up some money and that money was going to be key and pivotal in our development of a new stadium. Nobody talks about that. Nobody says, oh, God, why don't we call it Highbury? Why don't we call it this? How many people do you know who call the stadium Arsenal Stadium or call it Ashburton Grove? Nobody does. They all call it the Emirates because that's what it's become known as. That was the, the naming partner from the very off. And the finance that has come with that has been massive in terms of A, building it, maintaining it, moving forward as a football club, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody really cares. So why are you getting your knickers in the twist about the training ground being renamed? That's even less important to me than what the stadium's called. And if I'm not moaning about what the stadium's called, why on earth am I going to sit there moaning about the fact that Arsenal have done a multi-million pound deal? If that brings in the money that allows us to stay within the PSR rules and still invest in players, and I'm not saying that this deal is significant enough to buy you a midfielder or a defender or a striker or anything like that, but it does help you in some way. The more revenue, the more chance you have of uh, avoiding the losses that would then put you uh, under the spotlight when it comes to PSR. So I'm fine with this, man. Like, yeah, you you know, you want a bit of tradition. You want, um, you want these things to be, you know, as, uh, as, as traditional as they can. You, you never really want to go down this route of the commercialization of football and, and that kind of taking over, but that's the reality of the world right now. Right. So if you're upset about that, I would say, guys, come on, come on, wind it in a bit. Who cares? If we end up European champions at the end of the season, are you going to be crying about the fact that um, the players aren't going to come back to, to London Colney after they're going to come back to the uh, sober realty training centre? Who cares? Seriously, who cares? Such a non-issue. If, if they can improve the club's finances, which in turn allows us to do more on the pitch in terms of investment, I'm all for it. Anyway, let's move on. One final point to discuss on today's episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Remember, leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're listening on audio. Please do leave us a review. Okay, so on transfer deadline day, there was sort of a mass exodus, wasn't there, of 
young Arsenal players. I think there were six deals in total that went through, leading to, oh, is it six or seven? I think it was six. Arsenal players that essentially left the club. Some of them left on permanent deals. Some of them left on loan deals with a view to returning down the line. And one of the common discussion points that we've seen come to the fore in recent months is, why doesn't Mikel Arteta give youth a chance anymore? Blah, blah, blah. We, we see that all the time. He's got a good crop of young players that have come through the academy who make up a real big part of his first team squad. So first of all, this myth that Mikel Arteta doesn't want any young players around is, you know, it is exactly that. It's a myth. The other thing is, it's very easy to say, why don't you give youngsters a chance? Why don't you give this player a chance? Why don't you give that player a chance? When you watch them play an under-18s game and they score three or four goals, or you watch them play an under-21s game, a Premier League 2 game, and perform. The step up from academy football to the Premier League and the top end of the Premier League is huge. And there's only a handful of players that are going to be able to make that jump. We've been really lucky in recent years that we have a group of them that did make it. You know, your Smith Rose, your Sackers, your Enketias, your Nelsons, whatever you think about the latter two, they are still good enough to be in in sort of the Premier League and and, and playing their trade at first team level. Maybe Arsenal's too big a club for them and maybe you're going to see them move on. But still, the point stands. They've made that breakthrough up into senior football at a high level. For a lot of players, that won't be the case. And sometimes you will go through patches. You will go through a patch where you get three or four coming through at the same time. And you think, great, they're brilliant. They're going to make it. And then you'll go through dry spells. And we're going through a dry spell now. I can't think of a single player in the under 21s or below that has done enough to suggest that, that they are ready to play in the first team. The one that I look at and think certainly has the talent and could be there someday in the not too distant future is Ethan Waneri. But outside of that, there aren't many guys. There aren't many. And I've done a lot of commentaries, a lot of uh, reports on under-21 games over probably the past two seasons. And I've never looked at any one player with the exception of Ethan Waneri and gone, you're a generational talent. You're the type of talent that Bakayo Saka is or that Emil Smith-Rowe is. And Mikel Arteta coming out and saying what he said yesterday, I thought was absolutely fair and bang on the money. He doesn't feel like any of those players are ready at this stage. And the other thing that gets under my skin is that most of the people that say that, they don't watch these players every week. They don't know anything about these players. They don't know the first thing about these players. Now, there are some people out there that are very well informed and that do watch a lot of these games. And fair enough, if you do watch the games and you have a different opinion, that's fine. But the only person's opinion that matters is Mikel Arteta's and his coaching staff. And they wouldn't be letting these players go if they thought that they had a future in the first team. Also, academies, you know, nowadays, they're not just to feed the first team. They're also to feed the business, to feed the monster, to feed the beast, to feed the animal that is Arsenal Football Club. And if you can sell these players for, as we keep saying, pure profit, then that will benefit the club in other ways as well. So you have to use the academy strategically. If you're competing at the highest level, and you don't think that these players are good enough to come into your team, how can you make them work for you? How can you sell well? How can you do good business? What loans can you send them out on that? Even if it doesn't prepare them for life at Arsenal, it prepares them for a sale and puts them in the shop window. You have to think about it like that as well. If Arsenal were knocking about in seventh, eighth position in the league, then maybe some of these players would be deemed as and regarded good enough to make that step up. But we're wanting to compete at the highest level now. And that's changed. And unfortunately, at this moment in time, we just don't have that level of quality in the academy to be pulling on. So um, 
yeah, that's my my take on that. And I thought Mikel Arteta was right to address it, by the way, because it it shut a lot of people down, really, that have been sitting there going, well, we don't have a striker, so why don't you bring Kion Edwards in? Well, Kion Edwards has gone to Leighton Orient. So you're saying that his level is, what, League League One? Is that where Leighton Orient are? Oh, I can't even bloody remember. Stupid, because I, I used to play for them when I was a kid. Um, I should I should know that. Let's have a look. Leighton Orient. Yeah, League One. They're 10th in League One. So if you're saying that Kion Edwards, you know, that's your level, mate, you're going to go and play mid-table League One, which all due respect is a young player and everything. And he, he may go on to be really successful there. This is not a slight on him. But then how can you say, well, no, actually, he should be playing in the Arsenal first team? It doesn't work like that. And I think this has all been amplified by the fact that Liverpool, for example, in the last few weeks have brought in a couple of youngsters, Kwanzaa and Bradley, the two notable ones. Um, and they've they fit in really well. We've got Saka in our team. We've got Enketiah as our second choice striker. We've got Emil Smith-Rowe, who started at Nottingham Forest the other night. So we have those players in our ranks as well. For years, Liverpool didn't have many of those players. You know what? Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, Curtis Jones has really made his mark this season. Harvey Elliott in and out of the side. Sometimes you have, as I say, rich spells where players are coming through and it's great. Other times you won't have that. And sometimes you need to be able to um, make the academy work for you in a slightly different way that's beneficial to the business. And that is what Arsenal are trying to do now. Guys, I am going to leave it there. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me. As always, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Big, big game coming tomorrow. I can't wait for it. I'm absolutely buzzing. We're going to bring you loads of content. I'm going to bring you some instant reaction from the Emirates Stadium shortly after the full-time whistle. I'm going to bring you a full-length podcast live right here tomorrow night at around about 9pm. Um, I'm going to be on various radio stations, various channels. We've got loads going on tomorrow. Um, and fingers crossed we'll be talking about a positive result for the Gunners uh, up the Arsenal. And I will see you all then. Have a great Saturday. Um, take care of yourselves. Put your feet up. Chill out because tomorrow is going to be a stressful one. That is for sure. All the best, guys. I will see you soon.